So as Joby said, as you can imagine, this is a little nerve-wracking. So I'm going to ask for grace and prayer that God uses this vessel. I just wanted to start off with a little flyover of how I became a believer. Uh, I've been a believer for most of my life. Um, and so it's hard to remember when my heart was woken from slumber. But I'm pretty sure my mom has written down on a calendar somewhere, I believe in 1990 or 91, that said Tyler came home and he accepted Jesus as a savior. I'm not sure if that was the actual day, but it's a good reference point. Now through my childhood, there was fruit, but it was only by God's sovereignty that kept and has kept me. Because in junior high, high school, and into my college years, there was very little fruit. From the outside, I may have been a straight edge kid, but my heart was frightened, insecure, and faithless all the way into early adulthood. I was a wayward sheep, but Jesus is a faithful shepherd. Just as Moses was sent down a river in a basket of reeds and brought into Pharaoh's house, so God has guided my life through tumultuous times, but when I hit land at 21, I had to start running. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 is a verse that moved and continues to move my affections towards Jesus and gives me strength to keep running. This scripture gives light to my walk and testimony of God's grace in my life. Just like how Jeff Jackson explained in John 1.4 in our suffering workshop, which speaks of the light that has come into the world. That light is the word of God made flesh in Jesus Christ. He enables us to interact and understand the world properly. You cannot find the narrow road of righteousness when walking in darkness, or as we see today, running. I hope today we'll be left encouraged by God's word to continue the course with endurance and have a greater confidence in the sustaining power of the gospel. So let me pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide and filter my words so that the word of God may penetrate hearts this morning and that his glory be made known. Heavenly Father, in your word it says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Lord, I pray that I seek to glorify you this morning. May we receive a greater understanding of your word and run our course with joy, just as you did for us, the church, your bride. Holy Spirit, would you give us strength and understanding as you draw us closer to you? Amen. Amen. So let's jump into Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 2. If you guys, you can turn in there in your Bibles, or it should be on the screen behind me.
All right, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's talk about the word therefore in verse 1. In the previous, verse, in the previous few verses of 11, 39, and 40, it says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So when the author says all these, he's speaking of the believers that have gone before the Hebrew church and before the cross of Christ, but that they would never see. That is the coming of the Son of God, the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Therefore, since we are surrounded by great a cloud of witnesses, these witnesses and forerunners in the faith we're testifying to the very gospel that we live our lives from today. And because of this, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We run in faith because of the cross, while the former saints ran in faith towards the cross. Now, the word endurance in verse 1 is hypomone, which means patient and suffering. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, there will be trials. This will not be easy. You will want to quit, but don't. As I stated a few moments ago, my run really started at 21. Before that, I was crawling walking, standing, even sitting in my faith. So much was changing. An idolatrous relationship between a girl and I had just ended, which when an idol is taken away, all of a sudden it feels like life's not fair. I had elevated this relationship to a place where only God should be. Then, about a month later, my parents told me they were getting divorced which was a huge blow to my already crushed heart. Today though, looking back, I know that these trials were drawing me to him. He was cutting sin and hindrances from my heart. My training was starting, training for the race ahead. So the author of Hebrews also mentions to throw off any unnecessary weight or sin that entangles us to the wayside. Imagine you're at the grocery store, and you decide on a whim that you want to run home. Like, run home. You think to yourself, yeah, I just bought a case of water, some bananas, and some eggs, but I don't live that far. First off, that is absurd. But how much more difficult would that be? Imagine you saw someone running down the sidewalk with a case of Costco water. 
you would be confused and distracted. You may even pull over and ask if you can help, or maybe not. But there are things we carry in this race that Jesus has already freed us from. We hold on to it. We create obstacles. We load weight we weren't meant to carry. So how do we increase our endurance? If we are to run this race with endurance, how do we obtain that? What do we need to do? What should our training look like? So let's take a look at God's word in 1 Timothy 7 through 8. Paul instructs us, rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is in value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. And then in 2 Timothy 3:16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And now let's also look at Romans 5, 3 through 5, which switches gears just a bit. Verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So along with training in godliness and knowing the word of God, if we want more endurance, the Bible says it is produced by suffering. The verse 3, verse 3 has the same Greek word for endurance, hypomone which means patient, again, in suffering. Now, when we think about gaining physical endurance, it's not much different. We need to suffer, also known as exercise. This makes sense in my mind because I have participated in endurance sports and there is a lot of suffering before you see growth. Running, for example, requires self-discipline, training, and preparation. And training for a marathon takes time and commitment. Four years ago, when I began to train for a marathon, I was always warned about the wall. You know that point at which your brain tells your body to stop? It normally happens between 16 and 21 miles from what I've read. So my last run before the race, I wanted to find the edge or get close to the wall. So I ran 21 miles. I got done and was like, did I conquer the wall? I feel pretty good. Any pain that I had was good pain. Because you do learn about good pain and bad pain when someone takes up running. Good pain being growth and strength, while bad pain just means you're just plain old hurt. On race day, however, my successful training run went completely out the window because it seemed 
that everyone had failed to tell me about mile 22. You know, where the course takes you through two feet of water? Not really, but that's what it felt like. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get my body to speed up. People started passing me. I lost track of mile markers, and I was confused at my inability to move my legs faster. Finally, after what seemed like a marathon inside of a marathon, I saw the 25-mile marker. One mile left, and a wave of hope and strength rushed over me, and I finished. Now, having run a marathon previously brought new understanding to the word endurance. But to understand this verse obviously does not require running a marathon. But to have suffered, faced trials, or even long periods of discomfort. And even suffering does not make the text purposeful. No, the text makes the suffering purposeful. The text makes the suffering purposeful. You see, God's word is a lamp unto our feet. Our feet is not a lamp unto God's word. That just doesn't work. Now, for those of us who have entrusted our lives to our Savior, you have entered a race. And it's not a local turkey trot. It's not a sprint. It's not even a 5K. It's a marathon. However, unlike a physical marathon, where it is only possible to run one at a time, in the life of faith, there can be several marathons happening simultaneously and or continually. Whether that be the marathon of marriage, parenthood, sickness, family, friends, your faith in itself, you name it. And because there are multiple marathons, that means more than one wall. In marriage, arguments go on longer than they should as you hit that proverbial mile 22 of marriage. In your parenting, difficult seasons seem to have no finish line, and financial stresses sap your energy because you're at the wall. At work, you will miss deadlines, and in friendships, you will be confused that sin has caused such division at the wall. Your faith will waver, and doubt fights against you like a strong headwind at mile 22. In these trials and hardships, we get disoriented and forgetful, and we tend to bear the weight ourselves. The sin entangles us, and we trip under the load of self-righteousness and pride. The loss of control magnifies the fear in our hearts. Our earthly treasures lose their luster, and we lose sight of the course altogether. What we need to do is in verse 3 of Hebrews 12. It says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. He was reviled in innocence, so we can stand innocent amongst our revilers. This is why we do not grow weary. Matthew Henry says this about not growing weary. The best way to prevent this is to look unto Jesus and to consider him 
Faith and meditation will fetch in fresh supplies of strength, comfort, and courage. For he has assured them, if they suffer with him, they will also reign with him. And this hope will be their helmet. Now Jesus, he endured the sin of others, but never had to endure the sin of his own. We as sinful humans are not only affected by the sin of others, but the majority comes from our own hearts. In chapter 4 of James, it says this, What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, you adulterous people. So for the past few months, there's a book Casey and I have been going through with Joby and Eric. Uh, the author, Alexander Strzok, brings up 1 Corinthians 13.4. Some of you may know this verse. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. And in those first three words, love is patient, Alexander makes the point that love suffers long. Loving like Christ requires endurance. Having a perseverance type of love requires a willingness to be patiently humble and trials, suffering, and difficulties. John Piper said it this way, so if it seems that there are going to be some temporary losses when you run this race with Jesus, you're right. That is why Jesus said, count the cost before you sign on. But the marathon of the Christian life is not mainly loss, it is mainly gain. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It is only a matter of timing. If you see things with the eyes of God, there is a vapor's breath of loss and pain. And then, everlasting joy. Not only is Dr. Piper alluding to verse 2 in Hebrews 12, but also 2 Corinthians 4.17, which says, For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What he is saying and what Paul is reminding us is the race is worth it. Jesus tells us to pick up our cross and follow him. And the road to Calvary was not one of ease and comfort. It was a road of self-denial and sacrifice. Our faith is made perfect because of Jesus. He endured the suffering. He endured the shame. He endured the death we deserve. And he did this because of his great love for us. His great, enduring love. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Now, all this may sound hard, maybe harder than you thought, because it is, and it will be. In our culture, convenience is an oh-so-popular idol. We want the quick fix. We want the magic pill that makes the struggle disappear. And if we don't get it, just as with any idol, anger and discontentment result, just like James chapter 4 mentioned. However, God is most glorified in inconvenience and our weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 12.9 But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. God uses the inconvenient to shape our hearts. So speaking of shaping, there is a physical shaping that happens with endurance training, which is very inconvenient and brings about all sorts of weaknesses. But the most amazing to me is that your physical heart can increase its capacity up to 30%. Your heart physically changes. The volume of your heart increases. Your heart can pump more blood with less beats. And the endurance being grown and required in the Christian's race of faith causes your spiritual heart's capacity to increase. Now in this case, it's not blood that increases the physical heart, but it is love that increases in our spiritual heart. And your love increases because there is power in the blood of Jesus. He changes our hearts so we can run. So we are to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. We look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And church, let it be said of us, as it does in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that word steadfastness in this verse is the same Greek word hypomone, patient and suffering. Galatians 6, 9, so let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Another quote from Alex, we need to remember that faithfulness is not measured by our highs, but by our long. It's our ability to remain faithful in the routines of life that proves our commitment. Now, my wife and I, we just celebrated 10 years this past Thursday. And I hope we're still just at the beginning of the race. However, I know that God's faithfulness 
has spurned my wife and I towards endurance when marriage isn't so easy. We are trusting that what sometimes seems to be suffering is producing in us an endurance, enduring type love toward each other because of his enduring love towards us. So a little while back, my family and I, we went to uh, the Kern County Fair up in Bakersfield. Woohoo! And there was this hang from a bar for 100 seconds challenge. What else are you going to do in Bakersfield? And I thought, I can do that. But just like all fair games, there was a trick. They didn't tell me the bar spins. So every time I t attempted to re-grip, my grip just got worse. It was a trap. And so is the lie that any of us can run this race alone. We need the power of the gospel. We need the word of God, prayer, and gospel community. We can only hold on to Christ in our own strength, but we need Christ to reach down with his internal grip and hold us. We cannot hold on to Christ so much as he can hold on to us. R.C. Sproul says it this way. The person who is trusting in his righteousness to be saved has a false assurance. So church, just as Paul tells the Philippians and the Corinthians, I also want to encourage you with this today. We press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you not know that in a race all runners run? but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. We gain Christ, eternal rest, and the sight of every knee on earth, above the earth, and below the earth, confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we praise you for your steadfast love. And we are thankful that you sent your son to endure the death we deserved. Holy Spirit, may we run this race, the race you have called us to in Christ Jesus with joyful expectation. Help us fix our gaze upon our Savior who gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Help us to run faithfully and patiently, so that your glory be made known. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.